Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Karlsson, 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 Welcome everybody to the Kitty Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who are in the same room for the first time since I don't know how long for an impromptu episode. We're going to see how long we could go before our our uh, partners tell us that we need to get out of here. Uh, I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and I just had to take the opportunity to grab my friend Brian up to the studio to talk about all the craziness of the past couple of days. We're not going to talk about the draft, okay? I got a show coming out with the draft really soon with Will Scouch, but in the meantime, there was a lot of trades, including from this guy's favorite team. I already said his name. I blew it, but everyone knows who's with me. It's the fantasy hockey robot, the Poopop Prognostication, the IPP MVP, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. Yeah, here we are coming from the studio slash my bedroom from last night and tonight. It's uh, it's really rare that Elon and I get to do this in the same room, which is actually probably a good thing. We're going to try and do this without you noticing that it's easier for us to do this from separate cities or even continents and separate microphones. But we're going to do our best, like Elon said, we had to. So much has happened, and I actually won't have a chance to sit down and podcast for like another week. We don't want to leave you hanging on all our thoughts with all that's transpired since the draft. So, Elon, let's get this started. All right. Well, uh, Keeping Carlson, probably presented by DauberHockey.com. I'm going to throw that out there. They've been keeping track of everything going on and writing really good articles. So check it out. But yeah, let's just go through as many of the trades that we can and give our takes, our initial takes. We haven't done super deep dives yet. But uh, let's start in Ottawa. Brian when's the last time the Ottawa Senators acquired a star player? I know they're really good at getting rid of star players. They develop star players and then they give them away for almost nothing. Well, actually, the Eric Carlson has turned out to be like a huge haul. That's a whole other discussion. I can tell you when. The last time was when the Sens acquired Matt Duchesne at exactly the wrong time of their trajectory. And that led to the Avs getting Bowen Byram, who was a key part of the cup run they're on. But at that time, the Sens did not know what pick they were trading away. They weren't supposed to be a lottery team. They were, but now they knew they were giving up the seventh round pick or the seventh overall pick that became Kevin Korczynski for the Chicago Blackhawks. So at least we can make like an immediate comparison that we know what the brink hit was worth. And I still, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm daring to dream as an Ottawa Senator fan slash person living in Ottawa. Like it, it's, it feels dangerous have any kind of hope or optimism is an uncomfortable and unfamiliar feeling but it's really creeping in here yeah alex de is the person that the sends acquired i i didn't uh, you know we're, we're working on how to like build this show like off the cuff like this but yeah he was a huge acquisition chicago i don't know if you're a chicago fan like what could you be thinking right now like i don't understand they're doing a rebuild so they got rid of de like someone i'd imagine you could build around uh doc kirby doc who like yeah has been a bit of a disappointment now he's on the halves and i guess we'll talk about him in a little bit i guess he's like the new uh, cockney emmy potentially but anyways let's focus on the sense and de at first and then we'll jump around the league but uh so alex de so the sense gave a seventh 39th pick in this past draft right like brian said korchinski was the seven also a pick in 2024 and they acquire a guy who, of course, we remember two seasons ago, this amazing breakout, 32 goals and 24 assists for 56 points in 52 games, over point per game, p- pacing for like over 40 goals. So it's like pretty hard to acquire a 40 goal score. And this is adding to a team that already has, right? Like Batherson, Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, Tim Stutzla. So all of a sudden, this top six has five pieces that are all people that people are probably going to want to draft pretty high in fantasy. Very exciting. Of course, that might mean one of them now doesn't get on the top power play so maybe someone gets hit a little bit but it'll be fun to see what the Sens do I know they're bringing in Jake Sanderson on D maybe they could run two even power plays I know I'm getting way ahead of myself but let's just focus on to bring it to start does this raise his fantasy value like on one hand he's on this like younger team that seems a lot more deep on the other hand he was playing with Patrick Kane and Patrick Kane is like probably better than all these players at least for one more season maybe two I don't know how much longer Patrick Kane can, be, can keep being a star but the Sens don't have someone that's been like a perennial point per game or higher 90 100 point player so Brian, overall, do you think this like raises Debrinket's stock? Does it lower it, or does it, does he stay kind of the same? This past season, he had seventy eight points in eighty two games, you know, forty one goals. So uh, you know, is that is that what you're expecting again for next year? Forty goals, eighty points. I hope so. Like personally, of course. Uh, like I think there's no doubt to me that Alex Debrinket is a legit 
40 goal player. I think the big question in my mind is whether he's going to be able to see enough ice time to get those 40 goals. Like the last two years in Chicago, he's played 20 and a half minutes, almost 21 minutes a night. And, you know, you look to Ottawa, who their most deployed players are, for example, Brady Kachuk played just under 19 minutes a night. So those extra few shifts a night might be enough to, you know, p- potentially knock a few goals off of Debrinket's totals. Um, so, I, but I think that's the really only downside. I mean, you mentioned he's not playing with Patrick Kane. That could hurt too. But I think, like, we're you you mentioned the the return uh, for the Eric Carlson trade and Josh Norris. Like, there's a really great centerman who's ev- who's evolving in Ottawa, and you've got Stutzla coming up too, also playing the position. So I think I think Debrinket could probably work with those guys just fine. Uh, and remember, uh, Debrinket came out like in at the start of his career, really strong 28 goals as a rookie, 41 goals as a sophomore, and then just 18 goals in 70 games in his third uh, season in the league. And while everybody was concerned, our take on the show was like, this has been a disastrously unfortunate season for Alex to Like his expected goals totals were still really solid and up there, but his shooting percentage was like cut in half compared to his career numbers. And sure enough, that shooting percentage has bounced back in the two years since. And this is a guy who's a really high percentage shooter. He's shot over 15% in four of his five NHL seasons, except that really snake bitten one. And he also takes over three shots per game the last few seasons. So these are all reasons to believe that Alex Brinkett is going to be all that he has been before. This guy's for real. And it was strange. You know, I figure at his age, if Chicago's done rebuilding, He'd probably still be around. Like he could, he could be there at the start and the end of the rebuild and be a really important piece that's hard to reacquire at that point. So definitely interesting from the Chicago's perspective and what they're doing. But I really like the pull for the Sens. I think the fantasy impact overall might be that maybe from Ottawa we see like I think this helps Tim Stutzla because he was sort of on the outside looking in of the Norris Batherson Kachuk line. Right. So it was Stutzla and well, Connor Brown and like Alex Formanton or whoever was up there. Uh, now Debrinket's there. That's a legit threatening second line. And I actually wonder if that takes some away from the first line and maybe Ottawa's in a position where they can roll like a line 1A, line 1B situation. Don't laugh at this comparison. But I was going to say, I was thinking it's almost like when the Leafs had Austin Matthews centering one line and John Tavares centering another. I'm not saying these lines are up to that capacity, but they might be level to the point that both lines uh, are played like an equal amount and that there's no really true number one line to get all the deployment, which is what I said at the start about Debrinkit. That would be his number one obstacle to being that 40 goal guy again. Yeah. So in the end, like people in the chat are also giving suggestions of reasons why this might be better for Debrinkit. It's it's really pretty tricky to try to predict. So I think for me, I'm going to play it safe. I'm probably going to draft him as a similar type of player as last year. Hope the the good outweighs the bad of like, you know, maybe getting a little bit fewer minutes, maybe having not Patrick Kane, but also playing with an overall better team that will maybe, especially now that Chicago is totally tearing everything apart. It's like, it's going to be really tough. We're definitely going to talk about the Chicago uh, implications in just a second because Kane and Taves like now have nobody to play with right here a question for you and then i'll pass the mic back by the way people listening if you think this sounds normal this is really tricky okay we're passing the mic back and forth i'm I'm really impressed with us so far okay so brian in the cupful keeping carlson ultimate patriot fantasy league you know our scoring pretty well by now a little bit more for goals we give a decent amount for shots you guys bonus for hits it's points league i want you to rank just off the top of your head like you don't have to stick with this the five ottawa guys like i just want to rank up the fantasy value because like how do you decide who to draft i think brady kachuk seems like the safe like top pick in a multi-cat league like this because he's gonna give you so many shots and hits uh and points only i'm like i have no idea i can see all five of these guys potentially leading the team in points and i wouldn't be surprised but yeah what's your off the top of your head kachuk debrinkit Norris, Batherson, Stutzla. You're in a fantasy draft. You want to get a couple sends. You know, what is the ranking there? Or is it just like all very close? I think you almost just nailed it with the way you went down that list, if you if you don't remember. So I think Kachuk does stand over and above just because like we know he's there. He knows the team. He's comfortable. Like Debrinkit is going to have that sort of flag you have next to a player who's switching team, switching situations. This is the first time we've seen him move in the NHL. He's been in a pretty static situation with Chicago for a while. So yeah, it might take him some time to figure out his role and the team. Uh, so there is that little flag next to him. And that's why I would still have Kachuk 
higher, even though I think there's equal, equally a threat for 40 or more goals. And then after Kachuk, I think it's a really level playing field. Like I could give you an argument. I think I would go, I think I'd go to Brinkett or Josh Norris as second. And I think I might lean Norris just because of not knowing what to bring it, how long it'll take for to bring it to find his feet. Um, when I assume to bring it is going to factor in on the top power play, but he's going to have to displace someone. Maybe it's Batherson, maybe it's Stutzla. We don't know yet. So these are, these are the questions I have about Alex to And that's why maybe he'd be the third guy that I draft on Ottawa. But I think I'd go Kachuk, Norris, then to And then... Yeah, Stutz is like a wild card because I think his upside is above and beyond maybe any Ottawa senator, actually. Like if anybody could like surprise us with a 90 or 100 point season, I don't know if it's this season, but it's going to be Tim Stutz one day and we just don't know when that day is going to come. So he's really exciting. Then Jake Batherson, I think, is going to be like a super steady, dependable guy who's upside. Like it's it's really hard. These are all really interesting players. And we don't, as we were talking about on a recent show, we don't know what any of their upsides are. Like from our surprise party episode, we talked about how they all took a huge step forward last year. It looks sustainable. And we don't yet know if they have room for another step forward. Yeah, it's really tricky for sure. I like because don't forget Drake Batherson was like point per game last season and he was doing even better before he came back from his injury. And then I guess uh, you know, if you look at his last 15 games, he only had 10 points. But before that, he was above point per game. And, you know, sometimes when someone a player comes back from injury, maybe it's just like, oh, you don't know if that's like the true like best that they could provide. Then you have Stutzel's like the opposite, right? He was kind of slow to start the year. He finished off 21 points in his final 18 games. So Stutzel was already showing us his high upside. So I don't know, maybe my ranking, that's the thing. I think that just I'll just throw one out there, which I think I'm going to have Norris last, even though you had him second. And that's no disrespect, but someone's got to go last. I think I would go to Kachuk, Debrinket, Batherson, Stutzla, Norris. And uh, that's just what I'm going to do. I guess, I guess I'm just like, why Norris last? Like, he, he was a 35 goal scorer. Yeah, but uh, Stutzla has the upside, I think, to be point per game or higher. And Batherson, also, don't forget, in our league, we're counting hits and he like provides more peripherals. Uh, and uh, I don't know, like, Batherson, like, they're all good. So I don't think we have to even talk more about this. Let's move on then to another team. Let's go to Chicago next, okay? Uh, because they're still. You know, Jonathan Taves, we could kind of forget about at this point. Like, he was already pretty useless in fantasy. I guess one good thing for him with the Brinkett and Curvy Doc out of the picture is you'd imagine he gets back on the top power play because, you know, he was kicked off the top power play. Like, who else is going to be on this top power play? He's probably also the top line. Like, as of now, if Taves and Kane stay, who's the center of the top line? I think it has to be Jonathan Taves. Who else could it be? Well, there's Dylan Strom. Well, he hasn't yet been traded, but it's rumored. Well, he's a UFA also. So Dylan, or he's an RFA, but I think the word is that they're not planning on signing him. And they said that he's like, I think Strom is not going to get traded. I think he's going to be just like not qualified and he's going to be UFA. So Chicago's just like, we don't want you. Uh, then there's Jonathan Taze. Who's next? Henrik Borgstrom, who used to be a prospect for Florida at some point, I think. So yeah, uh, I'm. Anyways, we don't need to get into Jonathan Taze. Like maybe... Maybe there's an argument to be made that if like things stay the way they are, then maybe he is someone you take in the last round or something just because he's going to get good deployment again. If he's, We'll see if he's up to the task. Maybe he needed more time to recover from whatever kept him, you know, the whole concussion and everything. But Patrick Kane's the interesting one, right? Because if everyone's gone and Patrick Kane has no one to play with, assuming he stays on the team, I guess we don't need to dive too deep because he might get traded or something if he waves his no trade clause. But like, is he still like a p- potential like 90 point guy or is it just like going to be impossible no, ma- no matter how good he is like how can you get so many points if you have nobody to play with like who is it Kubalik isn't Kubalik also a free agent like who is the second best player on this team after Patrick Kane Kubalik is an RFA so he may or he may not I mean the Chicago needs to retain someone right you they they need to fill out a lineup they're clearly going to tank like they have a new GM they have a new coach they are ready to burn it all down and start fresh and we'll see if Taves and Kane are around through the year to start the year. But Taves concerns me no matter what. Like, even if he had line mates, I would still be worried. He looked awful last season. Terrible. And we talked about him on our surprise party episodes, which, by the way, if you haven't heard, I think they came out really well. I think we did a great job naming the surprises. So uh, I'm, I have no faith in Jonathan Taves bouncing back at this point. There were, there were no signs of life of like the former Jonathan Taves we know. So to think that he could suddenly be super fancy relevant, like, yeah, maybe worth a last round flyer, 
but I actually would probably prefer someone a little more interesting or exciting. And I'd put him on my watch list to start the season, but Taves is not someone I'm interested in just because last year it wasn't just bad luck. It, it wasn't even bad luck. He never came close to hitting the levels of like under the hood, like a shot generation, even the, the time he spent on the ice, none of it looked good. So that's why I am not ready to take a chance on Jonathan Davis on top of the fact that, yeah, there's nobody left to play with unless he gets to play with Patrick Kane. That's good. But even that, I don't think, can really make him an automatic, fancy, relevant player. I'm like leaning in here just to be like, forget about Jonathan Taves. Okay, I want to talk. I want to hear about Patrick Kane. <laughs> like, where do I draft this guy? Is he first round or like third round now? Also, I guess the same for Seth Jones. He's like, random, like, what a weird decision. Obviously, they weren't aligned last season and this season. It's unfortunate that they gave away all these futures for Seth Jones just to go into full tank mode. But now they have this guy locked in for eight years at a million dollars, like, I'm sorry, a billion dollars a year. I guess, what is it actually? Like nine million, I think. So like, just like uh, unfathomable amount, like already probably an untradeable contract. And it's like, uh, are we going to expect, like, yeah, so basically Patrick Kane and Seth Jones are people that generally would be drafted really high in fantasy. Are you fading these guys, Brian? Or maybe are they going to be good value? They're going to fall too far and people are going to give up on them and actually they're still going to be able to provide real value. Like, it's so hard to imagine, like a player with a team with like only like one or two star players, can they still be good? Like, do we have an example of this ever happening before? Oh, that's a really good question. Okay. While you talk about those two guys, I'm going to try to think of an example. Okay, I feel like there there might be. I wonder about Alish Alish Hemsky on those Oilers teams post Cup run might be might qualify, but I'm not exactly sure if who. Yeah, and he wasn't like a first round fantasy talent even at his best at that point. Yeah, and so looking at our patron rankings so far, which we're doing by the way over on our Discord server with patrons, it's a lot of fun to watch. Gabriel Landeskog just went off the board at 36th overall, which. Which, by the way, I did not vote for him. So uh, the patrons disagreed with me. I thought that it was pretty obvious to go with Philip Forsberg at this point. We got the news that Philip Forsberg signed his contract. So he's going to be in the same situation. The main reason I was a little worried about him is, you know, you go to a new team, maybe you won't get the same role. But now he's going to be back as like the clear straw that stirs the drink over in Nashville. Uh, So why, even if he doesn't keep up like whatever the 90 point pace he just went on, I still feel like Forsberg's going to be a solid 75, 80 point guy, which I like better, I think, than Landis Gog, who has that injury risk. So I don't know. Uh, but whatever, we're not talking about that. I'm just getting distracted here. So, Brian, what are, what are we talking about? Kane and, and Seth Jones. Yeah, well, I will just chime in and say that Landis Gog, you're looking for, like, Forsberg, yeah, as a solid 75, 80-point guy, if he gets the deployment. it's I think it's great he's staying. We know what we're getting there. But Gabriel Landis Gog is generally, like, an 80 to 90-point player, I would say. So I'd rather that than right, Philip Forsberg. And he hits. Uh, okay, but you wanted to know about Patrick Kane. Oh, right. I was bringing up the patron rankings because Patrick Kane went 17th in our patron rankings, dropping seven spots from last year. So last year, Patrick Kane was a first rounder to our patrons. And in a lot of our cupful leagues, our Keeping Carlton Ultimate Patron Fantasy League drafts, he was also a first rounder, just borderline first round player. Here he went behind Igor Shostorkin, Roman Yosi, Kyle Connor, David Pasternak. That all makes sense. But he went ahead of Brady Kachuk. Artemi Panarin, Matthew Kachuk, Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby. And honestly, I'm naming all these guys now thinking, yeah, maybe I would prefer them to Patrick Kane in a disgruntled, unknown situation. Uh, Like Patrick Kane hasn't changed teams, but the team has changed on him. So uh, that's a flag for me. I think Patrick Kane is still good enough to do it all himself. We've seen him do that. I don't I don't think it's unlikely he can do it again. In fact, I think he could be a really great value second round pick because I don't think a lot of people are going to be excited about him going into the year. So I think if you can get him, you know, towards the middle of the second round, that's fair value late second round or even early third round. That'd be great. A third round Patrick came, which I think is possible for the first time in forever. So you might find some value there, but you are taking a bit of a risk because that team is going to be junk. And you mentioned Seth Jones too. Uh, Like, look who's left to be on the power play in Chicago. Uh, You have Patrick Kane 
and Seth Jones. Like I had to look through the de- that pause was me looking through the rest the rest of the depth chart. I guess they have Lucas Reichel, someone who they drafted in the first a couple years ago. That maybe we'll have like if he can't make the team now, it's like what is wrong with you? Unless the team just decides they want to let him like develop a little longer. But this is a great opportunity for him to come right in and become an impact guy, maybe an early Calder candidate. Like if he could pull a Lucas Raymond, another Lucas, and like you know do really well on it. But Lucas Raymond got to play with two good players on the top line. Reichel, if he gets to play with Patrick Kane, okay, he's a name I'm going to throw out there just that came to my mind. Well, actually, also Shams brought him up in the chat here. So I think the more I think about it, maybe he's someone to watch. Sure, watch Reichel, watch Dominic Kubalik, even though we know we can't expect much consistency from him based on past performances, if he is qualified and stays in Chicago. But if I'm an an opposition team, I'm keying in on Jones, I'm keying in on Kane, letting everyone else shoot if they want to. And that could hit into Patrick Kane's usual power play numbers. But again, he's still really good. I don't want to take away from him. He is someone who could do a whole lot by himself. So don't don't fade him completely. But yeah, sure, fade him a little. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm still trying to come up with my example of like a team that only had one really good forward. Like going into last year, like I guess like Minnesota, we were kind of thinking like maybe just Kaprizov and Fiala were like the only two good forwards and like there were some people that really impressed us. I guess Joel Eriksson we knew was like decent. So maybe but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's the same situation. It's going to be tricky. Okay, what what should we do next year? Oh, Brian, one last thing. Alochemsky was a point per game forward on the 2007-2008 Edmonton Oilers. The next highest scorer oh, was Sean Horkoff. He was a point per game, but only played 53 games. After him, Sam Gagne with 49 points in 79 games. That's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. Is Sam Gagne still in the league? Isn't he still on Detroit? Yeah, look at this guy. He's going and going. Good for him. Uh, where should we go next here? I guess like let's just uh, end the loop here. Let's go to Montreal now. Who gets Kirby Doc? So Brian, bring up your Kirby Doc research. We'll see if there's any value there. Uh, so the Habs obviously made the big splash. First of all, they didn't draft Shane Wright in the draft. And again, I'll get into this with, with scouting more to talk about the draft. They grab uh, Slavkovsky with the number one overall pick, which may be surprising to some. Maybe more surprising was Shane Wright falling all the way to fourth. But again, that'll be a discussion for another time. Then the Habs had uh, the opportunity to pick. Well, the thing is they traded. Okay, I got this, Brian, okay? They have that defenseman who I'm blanking on his name. What was that guy? Oh, Romanov. So they traded Romanov to the Islanders, got the 13th pick, flipped that pick over to Chicago. There's other picks involved to get Kirby Doc. So basically they get rid of a defenseman. Montreal is not exactly a team that has like so many defensemen. I'm not saying like Romanov was like, you know, the for sure answer. We seem like a good, solid young player, like 22 years old, good defensively. He's gone, but Montreal also really had a problem with center, right? Like who do they have? They have obviously Nick Suzuki and then they lost Kotkaniemi. They lost Deneau like last season. And that really like was one of the main reasons why they got the first pick in this draft, right? Because they didn't have any centers left aside from Suzuki. Uh, they have Christian Dvorak but yeah clearly like they needed a good middle six center the question is is Kirby Doc that center that they need or is he because he has been very underwhelming in Chicago but maybe people were expecting too much from him as a third overall pick now he goes to Montreal as basically a a 13th overall pick right that's what they gave up for him Uh, I guess we can even tell you the name of the person oh uh, Frank Nazar who I did hear a lot of people saying they were excited about him like some people are saying that maybe he's like overrated again that's another (laughs) conversation for scouting but basically we could put it this way to say the Habs traded Romanov for Nazar and then traded Nazar for Kirby Doc in the end, is there like, is, are we excited about Kirby Doc? Is he someone you draft in fantasy next year? Or is he just going to be like a blah, like middle six, like Cockney type in his last year in Montreal, where like maybe there's a run now and then, but generally not someone you depend on in fantasy? I think closer to the latter than the former for a couple reasons. Uh, you know, I could see it breaking both ways. I am going to say that. I'd say the reason that I wouldn't count on it to break his way is that I just don't know who he's going to play with in Montreal. Like if he's centering a line, I mean, I guess, you know what there are, it's not a terrible assortment of wingers available past the first line, which is Suzuki Caulfield for sure. And then like, we actually don't know the third piece. Maybe it's Josh Anderson, but then there's Mike Hoffman. Maybe it's Slavkovsky, right? First overall pick. Could be if he makes the jump right away. Jonathan Druin, Evgeny Dodonov, Brendan Gallagher. There's a handful of names. So it's like, yeah, Maybe that could kind of work for Kirby Doc if they find the right chemistry. I still wouldn't count on it, though, because that Montreal team is pretty weak. 
There's a lot of work to do. They're still like not strong on the back end. And, you know, as great as Marty St. Louis appeared to be when he came in as coach and they sort of righted the ship or at least kept it from being in, in such, kept the team from being in the nosedive they were in uh, coming into his hiring. I'm still not having a lot of faith in the team, which means that it's a lot to ask for a player who's going to just turn, he's going to start season 21 years old. He'll turn 22 years old in January, uh, new to the team. Probably like has had a rough couple years, saw his deployment cut last season, talking about Kirby Doc now, and was yeah, it's it's been a rough time. And I'm not sure I expect Kirby Doc to be able to come onto a team that is kind of broken and a mishmash of misfit, miscast pieces and be fantasy relevant. If you want to look for some sunlight, uh, Kirby Doc's IPP last year was low. His points participation was below 50% when we could expect it to be closer to 70%. And he also lost a lot of his power play deployment, which you could see as like, oh, well, if he gets it back, he's in good shape. Or you could say, well, he lost his power play deployment. And that's a reason to think, oh, this guy can't hold in, hold on to valuable minutes, even when they're handed to him. Uh, he has not taken the step forward that we've hoped for since his rookie season. Could he do it in Montreal this year? Yes. Uh, but I'm not counting on it. I don't think he's someone I'm going to draft. I'm trying to decide, Elon, if I have a choice between Kirby Doc or Jonathan Taves. Let's say both start, both play uh, the first two nights of the season. I can get an extra game from one of them or from both of them. Like they're both a schedule ad. They make sense as streamers. Who would I prefer? Because I don't really want to draft them. I don't know. I think I might go. I might go. If Taves is playing with Kane, I'll go Taves. Otherwise, I'll go Doc. Yeah, like even if Taze has lost a million steps, if he's going to get the deployment, I expect him to, assuming again, because again, you were bringing up Kubalik, Brian, like uh, Shane is, or Shams is reminding us in the chat here that Kubalik is likely not going to be tendered. Like they don't want to keep anybody, okay? No one's tendered. Yeah, so I don't know who, but like assuming Kane and Taves are there, I'll take Taves over Kirby Doc. But you never know, like maybe the upside for Kirby Doc could be like Deneau in his last season with Montreal, where he, you know, he had a season with 47 points in 71 games back in 2019 20. That's like to me the upside if he's like, but like Deneau is like really good. So I'm saying that's the up upside and that's not even like that amazing though like it's still only a 54 point pace and i think that's the best we can expect from a kirby doc next year and to expect doc to do what deno did that season deno was basically playing on a top line with amazing wingers generating a ton of scoring chances and playing extremely responsibly and effectively uh, like two way as a defensive line as well as offensive so that's a that to me that i i think that's a fair upside to expect uh, for doc but he's going to have a very different path to 47 points if he gets there the way, like, like Deneau did. It's hard. I'm pretty down on Doc. Yeah. Well, the Habs, I guess, needed a center. So we'll see. They do not have any D now. Like, you had the Habs depth chart up, Brian. I saw who, like, we have Jeff Petrie, who, again, I think I said on a recent episode, I feel like he's a pretty good sneaky pick. Like, obviously, don't reach for him. But, like, if he falls decently in your draft, like, especially if you're in a multi-cat league, you've got a guy who really turned his season around in the second half. So you don't even look at the full numbers. Just look at the post-Martin St. Louis numbers. And you're looking like a 50-point defenseman. I'm not saying he will be that. But even if he's only a 40-point defenseman with, like, a decent number number of blocks and hits and, and shots you know like so but because after him who's there they did extend chris weidman who might take the top power play and there's really just nobody i'm seeing here joel edmondson david savard is he still under contract okay yeah uh oh yeah they, they extended him okay that's that's that situation let's go to a new team okay let's talk about another defenseman actually who is in a new situation and is going to be pretty interesting actually let's just get a quick time check here brian is uh again we've got our families downstairs uh, okay, wait, it looks like we got a 20-minute warning here. So we're going to get... Brian, this is the plan I'm thinking, okay? We're going to talk about Tony D'Angelo going to Philly, and then we're going to do a huge goalie rundown. So if anyone in the chat here has another idea of something we should talk about, let, let us know now, because that's the current plan. So let's go to Philadelphia, where Tony D'Angelo, for some reason, uh, Carolina decided not to continue with him. I wonder if that's a... Ugh, I, I, I want to do so much speculation, but I know we'll do another show soon when things actually happen. But like Carolina really doesn't have someone to run the top power play now that D'Angelo is gone which makes me think and again let me know if I'm getting too far ahead of myself but like John Klingberg is out there in free agency and is someone who you know say what you will about him in terms of his overall impact on the team he he can run a power play right so I feel like that's such a good fit so I almost want to just jump ahead and now ask you about TDA versus Klingberg well, let me set the stage let me set the stage first and maybe I won't even get into that because we can wait for Klingberg to actually go to Carolina
Carolina. And obviously a lot has to happen, but okay. Tony D'Angelo, huge season last year. He, uh, you know, was signed for just a million dollars because of all the uh, off ice issues. And also he was like, obviously kicked off the Rangers and they were also, I think unhappy with him for some of the on ice issues. Anyways, no one was expecting him to have the season he did, right? I think it was like around a 60 point pace. I don't have it open right now. Maybe you could bring that up for me. Uh, so now he is sent over to the Philadelphia Flyers where Philly as we've covered in our beat writer interview with uh, Charlie O'Connor, like they really don't have someone that they brought in Ryan Ellis, who I guess could have been a op- uh, guy who would have had a chance to run the top power play and get significant minutes. Uh, Charlie O'Connor in that interview basically said, watch what Philly does in the off season. If they like go after like a top pairing or like, you know, top power play type defenseman, maybe that's a bad sign for Ryan Ellis. So I don't know what this means in terms of if Ellis is like on track or not with his injury. Uh, but yeah, like Provorov has shown that he's not someone you could rely on to run that top power play. Uh, you know, there's really no one there. Like Yandel, I don't, I doubt is going to be back with the team. Uh, I think he's probably out of the league at this point. So I think that on one hand, maybe it's like a Chicago situation though. Like on one hand, I think it's a pretty much guarantee that D'Angelo starts the season running the top power play. I wonder if he'll be able to approach his numbers from last year because Philly is not Carolina, right? Especially with Giroux gone. And now that we have word that Konechny is like injured, might not start the year. Like I just wonder, and Philly was already such a train wreck of a team. They will have Couturier back hopefully. Do you think D'Angelo has a chance to match his like 60-ish point uh, pace from last season? Or do you think he's someone who takes a huge hit now that he's gone to Philly? It's two years, five million. You know, I have him in my dynasty league. <laughs> Is he someone I should be excited about or, try- or trying to trade before anyone listens to this episode? Well, one thing Tony D'Angelo was able to do in Carolina was pile up points because the makeup of that blue line and whole team in Carolina was very, very supportive defensively. And I don't think Philadelphia can quite offer him that same sort of working environment. Like right now, he we could assume he's slotted in on the top pairing with uh, Provorov, who's rumored to be on the block too. Uh, who knows? But like that would be a good pairing. I think that might be the only actual pairing in which D'Angelo can have something similar, at least at five on five, to what he had in Carolina, which was a partner who could be really defensively responsible and let him sort of ply his trade and do his thing in the offensive zone. Although the forward group isn't there necessarily for D'Angelo to do that at five on five. And the forward group also isn't there uh, to do that on the power play either. Look at these, this flyers power play, right? You've got Couturier, uh, if D'Angelo's running it. So D'Angelo, Couturier, Atkinson, and then I guess some combination of Konechny, Hayes, Van Riemsdyk, maybe Farabee, maybe Morgan Frost, maybe Owen Tippett. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of bubble guys, and it's not a good sign for a really effective power play. Like that Carolina power play knew how to go to work, and that's what helped Tony D'Angelo pick up 20 power play points in 64 games, which beat his output from his breakout season with the Rangers, where he had 19 power play points over 68 games. So I just I'm concerned that D'Angelo is going to be a little more exposed in Philadelphia than he was in Carolina. And that's going to keep him from being able to be the offensive defenseman that he's best off being because the support just isn't there. And that power play is going to be weaker. So Elon, you're asking in a dynasty league at 5 million a year, do I want to keep Tony D'Angelo? Not especially like I could see him taking a hit down to 50 or 55 points and maybe This is underestimating him. I know I underestimated him in his breakout season, and I don't want to make the same mistake twice, but I am pretty concerned about what he'll be able to accomplish on a Philly team that honestly looks broken and looks lost. I listened to your Charlie O'Connor Beats uh, episode, and he's like, they haven't totally committed to a rebuild. They're sort of just playing this middle ground, and I don't think that's going to get them very far based on the roster they have. So we'll see what, what... the rest of the offseason looks like to find out if they're rebuilding or not. But I actually think either way, this is a hit to Tony D'Angelo's value. And I wouldn't be interested uh, as interested in him as I would be had he stayed in Carolina. Yeah, at least for the dynasty players like myself, like it's only two years. So if he turns out to be a bust, it's not like you're stuck with him for a really long time. Uh, but yeah, he actually had a 65 point pace last year, right? Like 51 points in 64 games. Uh, just to see, Brian, on Carolina, I wonder if you could bring this up quickly. Who was running that top power play for those games that D'Angelo was injured? I feel like, was it like Brett Pesci or Slavin? I think it was Jacob Slavin. 
All right, so he's someone to maybe look at. I know that you we've talked about him on the show before, and like he hasn't been especially effective, but it's still a really good spot to be in, right? So if it turns out that they don't get Klingberg, because obviously Shams brought up the point that if they get Klingberg, they're going to have to pay for him, and who knows? Uh, in terms of their cap space, I'm seeing on Cap Friendly they have around 19 million, but they have a lot of guys to sign. Right, Nachas uh, is an RFA. I guess maybe they'll have to decide what they do with Nino or Vincent Trocheck if they could bring any of them back. So we'll have to see how everything shakes out. Obviously in Carolina, uh, so but we'll we'll wait until you. you FA happens and then maybe look at the Carolina side more in terms of the fantasy impact because we just have to kind of see what they're planning to do uh, so with that Brian how about we jump into some goaltending now because like there's been a huge like there's a whole bunch of, I'm just going to run down actually all the th- goaltending changes that have happened around the league so far and then maybe we can just pick and choose which ones we think are the most interesting so in terms of like players getting extended like uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is extended on Minnesota for a couple years there was a really funny quote from uh, Bill Guerin right they were asking apparently like Cam Tal it. Brian, correct me if I'm wrong with any of this or chat, okay? Like, apparently, my understanding is Cam Talbot is upset about the situation because I guess he doesn't want to be uh, in a tandem. He likes being a starter or maybe or something like maybe he wants to get a, a contract extension himself now to prove that they like him. Anyways, and then like so, a uh, journalist or something was asking him like, what are you going to do about this situation? And are, are you concerned about Cam Talbot? And Bill Guerin was just kind of like, I don't really care <laughs> like what he says. Like he's under contract. I'll just do what I want. I'm trying to build a team that wins. And you think, this, why not? Like if you have now Fleury and Talbot you have a really solid goalie tandem and you don't have to worry about goaltending if someone gets injured you have someone you could rely on so that's the Minnesota situation I think that in terms of fantasy I think I saw a quote from Marc-Andre Fleury literally saying I expect to be a 50-50 tandem so it's like terrible for fantasy right I guess if you're in a categories league and you're just caring about rates they might actually play better since neither of them will get too tired but in terms of a, a league where you depend on volume I wouldn't be that interested in either of them until someone gets injured of course I'm not saying that that'll happen okay so what else do we have here uh, Scott Wedgwood is going to be the backup of Ottinger on the stars which I think just shows us that Ottinger is going to be a really high volume starter so uh, I don't know Craig Anderson signed by Buffalo I think we talked about him on a show and said like it's probably um He'll, they'll, they'll get someone else or maybe they'll depend on Uko Pekka Lukanen. Uh, then some bigger names. So Vanacek goes to New Jersey from Washington. So now do, New Jersey's going to start the year probably with a tandem of Mackenzie Blackwood and Vanacek. And we'll see if Blackwood can bounce back, not having all the pressure of like needing to be the only guy. There's all, obviously also Nico Dawes waiting in the wings. Uh, Vili Husso got traded to Detroit and then signed there. So I guess now we've got Nidjelkovic and Husso, as I'd imagine a pretty even tandem to start. And then someone like, I don't know, do you, maybe really quickly Brian, do you see a front obvious front runner there, Huso and Nedeljkovic? Like, I mean, Huso just got big money, but at the same time, like, if you were to just ask me, like, which goalie do I think is better? I feel like it's like totally coin flip. Like, we've barely seen either of them for more than like a season or two. So I, uh, I don't know in Detroit, but it's a good situation for Detroit. Right? They have two goalies. Did you want to jump in there, or should I just keep going? I can jump in. Well, you asked about Huso and Nedeljkovic, and yeah. I think I think that's a pretty good uh, thought to just assume it's fifty fifty. I think Detroit would love for one of them to take the reins and show their starter. Like Detroit is paying them uh, like an affordable amount enough, an affordable enough contract where they can like afford to put one of them on the bench. I mean, ideally you're not sitting Huso at just under $5 million a year for three years, but it's not an outrageous commitment to have made to a goalie that you can, that you can't say like to the, it's not like a Bobrovsky where it makes it so hard to say, Oh, like we made a mistake. We have to bench $10 million. No, you can bench Ville Huso with his contract. Uh, but that said, I think it is going to be even starting out of the gate. I think Huso might have the upper hand because they have committed to him for three years, but Nadalkovic, I think still has one legit chance to prove that he can be the goalie that this team wants to move forward with they're both similar ages and so we're hopeful i mean as fantasy managers we want both of these guys or one of them to falter right so we can actually pick one uh if not i actually think that they might be a sneaky tandem to own if tandems are worth having in your league if this detroit team is improved then uh who's going could be a, a a handy little tandem if they support each other well yeah, potentially. I don't know. I just feel like Nedeljkovic takes a huge hit in fantasy to me just because like, I, I think it's obvious, right? Like he, there was a chance he was going to be like the starter in Detroit for years to come. And now like clearly 
like that's not going to be the case. Like they didn't just sign Huso for four point seven five million a year to be a backup. So probably at best for Nedeljkovic, we're looking at like a tandem situation. So uh, that's a shame. But it looks like that's that's again like in fantasy right now, a, a volume starting goalie is so much more valuable because as we go through the teams, there's going to be like when we do our more goalies board episode, I feel like it's going to be like half the teams are tandems at this point. Like we just talked about Minnesota, same exact situation. So that's why again like a Jake Ottinger on Dallas, all of a sudden to me is like so interesting because it's like those types of volume stars are going to be few and far between like the, the ones that you can really depend on to hold the job as a starter you know look at a Bobrovsky is he like a, he's, he's like a starter probably and Spencer Knight is probably still the backup but it's like there's that good chance you know like a Ottinger situ- or like Thatcher Demko you know it's like a goalie that and obviously Vasilevsky Shostorkin like you just know 100% they're going to play a ton of games uh, so anyways those are those teams what else we have oh back to Chicago they <laughs> acquired Petr Mrazek and apparently uh, Davidson was asked like what do you see something in him or whatever and he was like he was like he's a goalie and like that was sort of what they wanted to do so yeah they didn't have any goalies under contract like, I think Lankanen and Delia are both UFAs we'll see if they end up signing one of them to be the backup to Mrazek does that mean Mrazek is the starter like I don't know this Chicago team is going to be brutal because I, I don't know about you Brian I don't have any faith in Petr Mrazek like he stunk last year in Toronto um, he's like injury prone he's like kind of like a Matt Murray to me so it's like I don't even know actually who I'd have more faith in maybe just uh, Chicago should just take Matt Murray from the Sens take the contract give the Sens a pick or take a pick yeah uh, I, I don't know like do you think Brian that who would you rather have between Mrazek and Matt Murray is that a fair comparison I just feel like either way uh, I'm not interested in Mrazek in fantasy I'll say that yeah I mean I would rather have Matt Murray because there's a chance he stays healthy and there's a chance he plays well with Mrazek it feels like the chances both that he plays well and that he stays healthy are are both like the chances of either of those things happening are lower for Mrazek than Matt Murray especially given the Chicago team that he is having to backstop i think he'll uh he definitely fits chicago's current mo which is tank and see if they can get a good draft spot for what's looking to be a pretty stacked 2023 entry draft with of course connor bedard being the headliner i think it's pretty clear what chicago is trying to do whereas like lets them pay some salary make sure they're hitting the cap floor and also still probably lose a bunch of games. So I'm not in, I'd be as interested in Mrazek this year as I would have ever been in Lankanen last year, which is not very much. Yeah, definitely reasonable. So don't go out draft Mrazek. Maybe he'll be a streamer at some point, depending on who the Chicago uh, Blackhawks are playing. Toronto, by the way, we'll definitely have to talk about them at some point. They currently like don't have a goalie, right? Like they have Kyle Schalgren, but they're still uh, Campbell is a UFA. Also, Darcy Kemper is a UFA. So those are the two like big name goalies left that are going to land somewhere. Uh, also, let's end in Colorado here, where they traded for Georgiev from the Rangers, and they also announced that Darcy Kemper is not going to be signed. So we know that oh shams is saying that matt murray might go to toronto and talks are intensifying those are that's the latest rumor so maybe that so what but you can't just go murray and shalgren with this team and hope that that's your chance to win the cut oh my god if i was a leafs fan, i don't know what are they gonna do we'll talk about them when i guess things actually happen i want to end in colorado okay our reigning stanley cup champions are letting their goalie that backstop them to the championship walk of course it's not as if like he was uh, lights out he was obviously good enough and i don't know no shade against darcy kemper but i imagine they feel like we're a strong enough team that we can still do well with a goalie who's like another another like roll of the dice a little bit and that so yeah they have georgiev they also still have pavel francois who i believe is still under contract yeah he's still under contract for another couple years so they've got francois at two million now they get georgiev from the rangers who's been a backup uh the whole time like first for lungfist for a bit then obviously for uh, Shostyorkin last year was Georgiev's worst season in terms of save percentage he fell below 900 before that he'd always been above 900 he seems like someone though who I am interested in in fantasy and I'll tell you why just because like Colorado is such a good team that we've seen maybe them be able to be good enough that they could still win games even with not the most amazing goalie and then as far as Georgiev goes the Rangers have been known to be such like a poor defensive team maybe all of a sudden like Georgiev being on this better team maybe he has something to show that we haven't been able to see yet just because of the situation he's been in also he's never been able to get in a role and you might think like i think a lot of people would assume pavel francois is the front runner i just like think that 
Like Colorado already showed that they didn't really want to depend on Franco's, right? Like Kemper struggled in a few games in the in the playoffs, and they still like went back to him. He had that eye injury, and even still, Kemper was someone who uh, like the Avs went to and didn't want to go to Franco's. So that just makes me wonder if maybe it'll be a similar situation where they like Franco's as the backup, and they'll be willing to give Georgiev a chance to be the starter. So obviously, we'll learn a lot in like training camp. Uh, Brian walked away right now, so I, I can't throw to him with a question. But I think definitely that's probably probably another tandem like again when we're talking again about all these teams with tandems i think colorado going into the year you have to imagine there is one but i i would say i wouldn't sleep on georgiev as someone having like if you're in like a keeper league or dynasty league where you're keeping like like everybody georgiev might be someone i'd try to pry off of someone or grab out a free agency if he's out there just because i think there's a chance he could be a not a huge volume but like a goalie who plays a lot on obviously like the best team in the league uh so i think that is all the content that we were going to cover for today. I don't know when Brian's coming back, so I think I'm just going to wrap this baby up. Thanks to everyone who joined us in the chat here. A total last-minute impromptu episode. I just figured, like, Brian's here. Uh, you know, the kid was doing a puzzle, so I thought maybe that's a good opportunity to just come up and record something quickly. So I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. I think there might have been a microphone issue midway through, so I'll see when I edit if, like, things got wonky for a moment or two. And if so, uh, I apologize. We'll be back to our regular scheduled programming and quality any uh, by the next episode okay so the plan is i've got scouting coming on monday and then we'll you know before we know it, there's gonna be ufa and we're gonna have to do lots of shows breaking all of that down and we'll try to get some more beat writer interviews i sent some emails over the weekend and didn't get responses i guess maybe a lot of these beat writers were busy focusing on the draft i hope i didn't blow my chance by emailing someone when they're busy and now being like oh this person's too annoying i would forget about them so i'll do my best to uh, get us more beat writer interviews for myself and ben to do uh thanks again yeah so what should i say here oh thanks to the patrons for all your support over the summer we're having so much fun over on discord really appreciate your support if anyone else wants to jump in keeping carlson.com slash patron and yeah we're definitely gonna have to start talking about the cupful soon like get that we've already opened up pre-registration for the patrons and uh we need to finalize the rules and yeah just start uh planning for that it's gonna be the biggest season ever i think for the keeping carlson ultimate patron fantasy league i'm the uh, reigning champ right now so i want to make sure the league is pristine so that then i can try to defend under the best possible situation and the you know best and most challenging league league in the world and i definitely you know anyone will be able to join you can become a patron right now for just a buck get all the patron perks then also pre-register for the cupful and you'll be set uh, aside from that please subscribe to us on uh, you know apple podcasts spotify wherever like, it actually helps you know what it's like when you listen to a podcast you're actually helping us which is pretty crazy right it's free for you you're not even doing anything but uh we have our bosses over at blue wire and their whole thing if you want to know how it works is they're like trying to find ads right and then they are like counting how many downloads we get so that they can then sell our show to their advertisers so like just you listening to the show like thank you we really appreciate it and uh yeah subscribe you can just auto download every episode if there's an episode that you don't want to listen to you know you still download it doesn't hurt but anyways okay uh with that brian is back so let's cue the outro music unless brian did you want to say something about georgiev or do you want to just end the show up to you I need a quick moment on Georgiev, which is that, I mean, when I stepped out of the room briefly, you were talking about how, um, how your, how the abs won with Darcy Kemper. Like you could look at the abs cup win with Darcy Kemper, meaning two things. One, that Darcy Kemper is good enough to be on a team that wins the cup or two, that Colorado couldn't win the cup with a goalie, like with whatever average or serviceable goalie. And yes, Darcy Kemper had some really great moments in the regular season in the playoffs, he, I mean, he had that big injury, but he didn't shine. Like, I don't think he stole many games. I think if he stole zero games through the playoffs, and he might have stolen one or two along the way. He was great in the finals against Tampa. I will give him that. Whenever they put on pressure, he was there and like stone cold and kind of in a surprising way to me, actually. It's like, oh, usually like in the round against Edmonton, it felt like Darcy Kemper was giving up more like stoppable goals. So anyway, all this to say that, Alex Georgiev in Colorado, yeah, could be more of a thing than Alex Georgiev in New York because any goalie coming into Colorado could be in good shape. The same way that sort of Minnesota has nurtured their goalies in the past, I think Colorado is capable of doing the same. That said, um, Georgiev has a like a pretty reasonable track record in his career. Like he's never had really solid defense in front of him, but he has played basically at or just above his expected save percentage uh, in three of his last four seasons. There's one, like the 2021 season was catastrophic for Georgiev's numbers, but outside that, 
He's actually been at least an average NHL goalie, and I assume that's what Colorado sees in him. They're saying, hey, we can handle an average goalie. Uh, for what it's worth, Pavel Francouz, same deal, right? This is another guy who's like, yeah, he might be an average NHL goaltender. I think both guys right now have proven that they can be NHL backups. Don't know either one has proven that they can be a starter or even a, a timeshare goalie. And that's what we're going to find out. I think this is another situation where coming into the season, if they had Kemper, it'd be like, yeah, there's your starter. But here we are again with two goalies who have about an equal chance of taking the reins and it hurts their fantasy value. And it makes those, the, the lone starters, the, the workhorses, all the more valuable. So there's my, uh, that was a longer take than I expected, but there you go. It's, it's good for Georgiev, I think. And I would say bad for Francis, at least to start. Yeah, I think that's about right. Uh, I, and uh, yeah, we'll find out. It'll be fun. To, again, I'm really excited to do our Schmore goalies board and actually figure out how many starters we have. Because also at some point, we have to say that now some tandem guys do have more value because now that everyone's a tandem guy, maybe you can't just say, oh, he's a tandem guy. I don't care. Like everyone's going to end up with them. So then it's like maybe having a good tandem guy is actually not so bad. And then we'll have to discuss a strategy. Do you want both of the guys in the tandem? Do you want to take two goalies from different teams that are in tandems? That's the frustrating part is that I think it's going to be really hard to tell unless there's some really clear training camps and coaches are speaking very clearly about their intentions. Like the Detroit situation, I don't know who's going to come out in front. Like, I, I guess I could lean. I could find reasons to lean both ways. Colorado, I could find reasons to lean both ways. And I have no faith that the opening night starter is necessarily going to see the greater share of the workload. So you're really there's no there's not even if you want to go and pick a goalie that's in a tandem. You can't easily pick the one who has the better shot because there's so many uh, situations that are close to 50-50. It's going to make uh, drafting goalies really tricky, even more so than usual, I think. Yeah, drafting goalies. And also, though, give you the opportunity to maybe fade goalies if you can't get one of the awesome ones and then just hope in free agency, you know, there's maybe a tandem or no one wanted either of them because neither of them were playing that much. Then one gets injured and all of a sudden the other one, or maybe like people are just spot starting. You happen to have spot started a goalie and then the other guy gets injured. You know, you just fall into like a good situation uh, because I think injuries, as usual in fantasy, are going to have a big impact, maybe more so now. Anyways, Brian, like I said, thanks to everyone. I'm going to right now cue the outro music. So why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right, this episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dabra Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters, Tyler, Flash, Andrea, Tom, Derek, David, and Rob. Thank you all so much. Also, shout out to Joel and Andrea for running the patron rankings over on our Discord, keepingcarlson.com slash patron for more of that. Thanks to Shams and Elon for continuing to tweet out all the fancy relevant news on all our relevant Twitter accounts, which you can find them all over at gamedaytweets.com. Logo are by brandonweave.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. And uh, this episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, Hockey Reference, Hockey Biz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, NBC, Sports Edge, and Yahoo. Did we use a Yahoo today? No, but I forgot to say the end before NBC Sports Edge, so I had to be grammatically correct. Okay, so then I ruined you. You, you almost got it past us. Yeah, I had the draft results here in front of me from Hockey DB. Did you say Hockey DB? I did, but I should have also said Wikipedia. They have a pretty good entry draft page. It's really easy to track like where trades happened and picks came from. Yeah, I like that. Like beside the player who got picked, you have a little like uh, footnote of like, then you can see like, oh, this pick came from this team, uh, Montreal to this team. Oh, the microphone looked like it messed up again. I'm just going to end the show. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Brian, what should we do while we wait for uh, more stuff to happen, which is going to happen really soon? Can't wait for it to happen. Until that time, let's keep doing what we can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone.